Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. And then also turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Galatians chapter 5. And we continue in our series within our series through the epistle to the churches of Galatia. And we've been looking at Galatians 5.22 and the fruit of the Spirit. And so we'll just read there tonight, Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And tonight we're going to consider the next one in the list, and that is meekness. And I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And look at verse 28 with me. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. You ever had times when you're feeling heavy, you're feeling burdened, not heavy because you are eating too much, but I've had those times, but heavy like in soul and spirit, and you're feeling burdened down. Um, this is a great verse, uh, passage of Scripture to consider in times like that. And if you meditate on these verses, you find that there are three verbs that come into play here in verse 29. Take, uh, learn, and oh, I've got to get my spot here, and, and which means to understand, and two verbs really. And the Bible says here, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Those two verbs there, in fact, if you want to go back to verse 28, the, the verb come is there. So there are three. Come unto me, take my yoke, and learn of me. And that word take means to lift. The word learn means to understand. And what Jesus is talking about here is you have a choice to make. A personal choice that leads to something. And Jesus says, if you'll do this then I will do this. And what is it that Jesus says? If you will come unto me, if you will take my yoke upon you, if you will learn of me, I'm going to do this. And what you're going to find is you're going to find rest for your soul. And who doesn't want that in their life? You want rest? Jesus says, then do this. Here's how you're going to find it, and I'll give it to you. And Jesus is telling us that if I can find, uh, that, that I can find rest, if I come to Him, if I take His yoke, and I learn of Him. But what is it that we need to learn of Him? His meekness. Because Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn me. For, for, I am meek and lowly in heart. The word for means because. So Jesus says, because. Learn of me because I am meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find the rest that you're looking for. I need to learn his meekness 
in order to find rest in my soul. That's something that doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to us. And that is why it really ties in with Galatians 5.22 that says the fruit of the Spirit is meekness. Does that make sense? It's not something that is of our own doing. And remember, in our text in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is set as a contrast. There's a drastic difference between the lovely fruit of the new nature, which is created in Christ Jesus, created by the Holy Spirit of God within the heart and life of a believer, there's a, a, a great contrast and difference between that and what is produced by the flesh. Go back to Galatians 5, because I want you to look at verse 19 again, and just remind you, the works of the flesh, verse 19, are manifest. They're made known. Here's how you know what is fleshly. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul says the works of the flesh, or what is produced by the flesh, looks like this. And I notice that the sin of the flesh is called works, while the result of living in the new nature is called fruit. See the difference? Fruit is something which grows. These things grow as the new nature develops. The fruit of the Spirit is referred to as singular, as fruit, not plural. It's likened unto a cluster of sweet fruit growing together. And you can consider them separately, certainly, but the idea leans more to the idea of a cluster of fruit working together in your life, forming the character of the one who is controlled by the Spirit of God. We have talked about each of these, and let me just remind you quickly of them. First is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We said that this is the Greek word agape, and it refers to the selfless, highest form of spiritual love. It's the giving of oneself for another. It's the denial of self for the best good and the benefit of that which is loved. That is in distinct contrast to all the works of the flesh, which are selfish in nature. Then there's joy. The word that is translated joy refers to that deep, quiet joy within. It's, it's, like, it's sort of like uh, the, the, the still, cool waters of a deep well that are undisturbed. Then there's peace. The word that is translated as peace refers to a tranquility of spirit. It's something that overrules anxiety, anger, want. It's the predecessor to happiness in your life. A lot of times people aren't happy. Why aren't they happy? Well, they got a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness in their life. Peace is the tranquility of spirit that overrules that. Then there's long-suffering. Long-suffering refers to patience, forbearance, 
a slowness to seek revenge. Then there was gentleness. Gentleness is a kindness of spirit, a gentleness of spirit. It can also refer to moral goodness and integrity, but it really is referring to a, a kindness about uh, even about truth. Then there's goodness. Basically, what that means, it refers to one who is good in the highest sense of thought. And there are very few characteriz- characterizations that are higher than to be called good in this sense. And truly, there's none good but God. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit. And then there's faith, which we talked about last week. And the thought for this was really the outworking of our faith, the idea of putting feet to our faith rather than the principle itself. It's, it's the idea of, of actually causing action. And so we've considered all of these that are not natural to our flesh. They're set in contrast to our flesh. And we're going to consider meekness tonight. And notice that at the end of verse 23, as Paul lists this fruit of the Spirit, he says, against such there is no law. That's a great phrase. (laughs) The idea means that there's no ruler, there's no government, There's certainly not the Mosaic law that ever outlawed any one of these virtues. But look at the works of the flesh in contrast, right? Against such, there is no law. These are from the Lord Himself and for the good of ourselves and for others. And so we're going to consider meekness tonight. And maybe one of the most misunderstood words in the Bible The Greek word for meekness literally refers to being, here it is, cool, calm, and collected of spirit. That's the idea behind it. It bespeaks of discipline in the emotions. It speaks of humility. And that's maybe the common definition for meekness that you would understand and know, uh, speaking of humility. But there's more to it than just being humble. It's a calmness and a collected spirit that that, that speaks about discipline over our emotions. That discipline over emotions and that humility is going to result in being mild of manner and calm in our disposition. The core thought is having one's emotions and attitudes in control, especially in provocation. How often do the emotions get out of control when we're being provoked? And we say things that we don't necessarily mean or want to say, but we say them in the flesh because of being provoked. The natural result of being controlled by the Spirit of God and meekness in the life is a mildness of manner that enables us to control the emotions, see clearly, and walk in the right way. And of course, Jesus is always the best example of each of these character traits. Amen? Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus says, For I am meek and lowly of heart. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 21. 
For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I think this is an example of the definition that we just gave of what meekness is. Having emotions and attitudes in control, even in provocation, a mildness of manner that enables to walk clearly and see clearly. And Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He was under provocation. Jesus displayed a meekness of spirit, a meekness of of heart and mind in his own life. And he's always the best example. So what is meekness? We gave these basic definitions here. Um, You've probably heard this phrase before at some point, but meekness is not weakness. There are some people who are meek or mild-mannered, and they're thought of as being weak. But meekness is a heart attitude that is displayed through our actions. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's the idea with meekness. From what is in the heart, it's a heart attitude that is displayed through our actions. And so with meekness being demonstrated in the life of a Christian, it's going to show in our actions. Meekness is simply this, a softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance under injury or provocation. And this is something the Lord wants to develop in our life. A softness of temper, a mildness, a gentleness, forbearance, even under injury or provocation. Do you know that the Bible commands meekness to God's people? In Zephaniah chapter 2 and verse 3, the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. So he says, put on as the elect of God. This is what you ought to look like. And then he says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Put on meekness. 1 Timothy 6.11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, goodness, faith, love, patience, meekness. All the things that we find as a fruit of the Spirit. And so the command of the Word of God for God's people is to seek after meekness, to put on meekness, to follow after it. So then how should that look in the life of a Christian? How should that be displayed in my life and your life? Well, there are several areas in which we're to show and practice meekness. And we don't have the time to cover them all, but they range everything from restoring a fallen brother all the way to 
hearing and receiving instruction from the Word of God and everything in between. You know what? It's easy to do the opposite. The opposite of meekness, which is to be proud, to be quick-tempered, even be unkind. But a Christian who is under the control of the Holy Spirit of God is going to display meekness in these areas of life because it is something that is in the heart. And I just want to consider two main areas where the Word of God gives us instruction towards meekness or where it ought to be displayed. And it ought to be displayed towards other people, number one. But then secondly, it ought to be displayed in the receiving of the Word of God. Meekness in receiving the Word of God. Let's pray and then we'll consider these briefly tonight. Uh, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless His Word, alright? Heavenly Father, I pray that You'd help us tonight uh, with these truths. And just I'm thankful that we can gather together as a body. Lord, that we can open up the Word of God together. We can consider what it has to say. And Lord, may the instruction we find in it, uh, may we apply it in our heart individually, in our life. And the tendency is to either pitchfork it to the other guy or to dismiss it as if it doesn't really, I don't think that matters or applies to me. That's not what I am. That's the tendency. That's a fleshly response, and that's not demonstrating meekness toward the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that you just help us tonight to focus and to make application as you see fit in our life. Because the Word of God is profitable for us, for instruction in righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that you'd... Uh, Give us understanding of it in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, let's consider this first main area where meekness should be displayed, and that is towards others. And there's a few different areas here that this covers. First of all, meekness towards fellow believers in general is required or commanded in the Word of God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, says... Here's my, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you that you first of all walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That phrase, to walk worthy, it simply means to behave in a manner that is accurately reflecting Jesus Christ. And so Paul says you need to behave in a way that accurately reflects Jesus Christ. How is that? With holiness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another. That is the 
heart attitude or what should be displayed in the life of a Christian that is an accurate reflection of Jesus Christ. So what we take away from this is that meekness is a heart attitude that has a direct effect on the unity of the body of Jesus Christ, which is the local New Testament church. Do you see that? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Meekness displayed toward fellow believers in general has a direct effect on the unity of the church. No one is better than another in the church. Amen? Sometimes we can think we are. Sometimes we can act like we are based on what we do in the church or based on who we are in the church. Right? Or based on I've never done what so-and-so has done. And we can come across or we can have an attitude that is somewhat superior in our thinking. And that is not at all a de demonstration or a display of meekness towards believers in general. Turn over Colossians chapter 3. Look at this passage with me. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible says here, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Here we find that meekness is also connected to forgiveness. We can never be obedient to the Lord and have this attribute of Christ developed in us if somehow we think we're better than we really are. A humbleness of mind, a humility, a meekness, a meek attitude and heart towards fellow believers is required. And Paul says, walk worthy, behave in a manner that accurately reflects Jesus Christ. And number two, it affects the unity of the body and it's tied to the ability to forgive one another. And so we find meekness commanded towards others, fellow believers in general. We also find that meekness is commanded towards others in the area of an erring believer or a sinning believer. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So we find here, Paul says, in the area of an erring believer, a sinning believer, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. It's important to be shown towards other believers. Now I want you to look over at 2 Timothy chapter 2, because Paul directed in this passage that the servant of the Lord ought to teach others with a spirit of meekness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, 
If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. He says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So Paul directed that the servant of the Lord ought to teach in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. The word translated as meekness refers to the spiritual quality of having disciplined emotions. We have said that already, and that's how it applies here as well. To be meek is to have a temper and other negative emotions under control. Therefore, the servant of the Lord needs to be in control of his emotions as he works with those who even oppose themselves. So, the thought is, being disciplined in spirit and in mind and emotions when you're dealing with foolish people. (laughs) That's the idea. One of the things that you note in ministry is that there are times when you need to give some advice, you need to give some instruction. Maybe there are people who are seeking the pastor's help. Maybe they've gotten themselves into some trouble. Maybe you're trying to give some good spiritual advice, and you'll find that there are people who oppose that godly counsel. Sometimes you give good advice to people and they never do anything with it. In fact, they do the opposite. And in so doing, they're opposing themselves because they're opposing the truth of God's Word. And in due season, they're going to reap that bitter harvest that comes into their life because of the choices that they've made. They've made. You know what? It doesn't do any good to ignore good counsel. Maybe it's from the pastor. Maybe it's from uh, uh, one of your pastors in the church. Maybe it's from a, a, a trusted friend. Maybe it's from somebody who just loves you as a brother in Christ, and they see that there's this thing going on in your life, and they say, hey, brother, I'm concerned about you. I see where this might be going. And just to ignore good counsel or biblical principles, it doesn't do any good to move on in life ignoring that. And then when the when the crop comes in to come running back and boohooing and saying, Oh, I'm in trouble. Well, you didn't listen. You didn't listen at all to good advice, good counsel. And now uh, you're reaping the crop, the seeds that you've sown. But you know what? <laughs> There are times and there have been times when I have to say, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. I tried to tell you, or I tried to help you, and you've opposed yourself, but now I'm going to try to help you again. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Paul says, hopefully God will give such foolish people repentance 
that they might acknowledge the truth that they resist. And that is why it requires meekness. You know, we can write people off. Oh, you didn't listen to me. Nothing I can do for you. Too bad. Well, the greater context, if we were to look at all of this, the greater context is also of those who stubbornly hold to theological error to their own destruction. And it doesn't matter what application you want to make here. People who stubbornly adhere to practices that will destroy them, their families, their stability, whatever, they're opposing themselves. Rebelling against godly authority and godly counsel is always going to be self-destructive. But meekness is needed in the instruction because if there wasn't meekness there, there would be no opportunity for restoration. We would just write them off. And Paul concludes this thought and he says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The context is that confused and sometimes even rebellious Christians might repent of the direction that they're heading in and recover themselves. That word or that phrase, it means to be awakened to the trap. He says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Their eyes are open to the trap that they're about to fall into. That's a sobering thing, amen? And so... Paul is saying you've got to have meekness in the instruction even when you're dealing with erring or sinning believers because without it, there's no opportunity for restoration. There are those who think that they know things. They think they know the Bible They've got their doctrine down. And you get into some sort of discussion with them about, well, I believe the Bible teaches this concerning a particular thing. And there's no meekness of spirit that, that, that enables us to be instructed in the things of God, because I know it. And we're going to get to this in just a minute about meekness towards the Word of God. That errant theology, um, and people take pride in what they think that they know, that spirit can often become a trap of the devil in one's life. And we never grow because we think we know. Does that make sense? We ought to show meekness in instructing even those that oppose themselves. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Here, we'll just briefly touch on this. But the Bible teaches demonstrations or displays of meekness even towards unsaved loved ones. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning or plating of the hair or wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in the which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, 
which in the sight of God is of great price. And so the Bible teaches here that one quality of a godly lady that will win an unsaved husband is a meek and a quiet spirit. I think there's lots of applications that can be made there. Another area where the Word of God commands meekness towards others is toward unbelievers in general. 1 Peter chapter 3, since we're here, look at verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Bible teaches towards unbelievers to demonstrate or display this spirit of meekness, being ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth within you. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and look at verse 13. James 3.13 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. He's talking about your lifestyle and your testimony here. Let him show out of a good conversation or lifestyle his works with meekness of wisdom. And so the Bible gives us some instruction here where meekness ought to be displayed towards other people, towards fellow believers in general, towards erring sinners, towards unsaved loved ones, towards unbelievers in general, and just in general, a testimony that reflects Jesus Christ. The second area is demonstrating meekness toward the Word of God. And I want you to go to James chapter 1. And follow along as I read a few verses here in James chapter 1 and verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The Bible tells us here that we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word. You know what? When it comes to the word of God, meekness being displayed means to simply be teachable. To be teachable. Receive the word of God with meekness. Psalm 25 and verse 9 says, The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek he will teach his way. Meekness, when it comes to the word of God, is a readiness to be shown, a readiness to be taught. It includes a readiness to lay down my fixed notions or to lay down my own objections or to lay down my what-ifs or to lay down my, but what about this? My certainties about things, about the things that I think, and simply to be taught. Meekness is the childlike gladness that says, show me, 
teach me. Is this the way? Help me in this. The simple willingness to be taught, to be corrected, to be helped. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. I come across this fairly regularly. Uh, I've been in full-time ministry for 20 years. been the pastor of this church for 10. I can't tell you how many times I've come across this very thing, where people demonstrate and display an attitude that is not teach me or show me. It's an attitude like, no, I'm good. I know. I know. When it comes to doctrine, for example, let's just talk about it for a second. There are doctrines in the Word of God that are spelled out and laid out, and it applies to everything we do inside of a body, right? And we could talk, we could name them. We could talk about baptism, for example. Let's talk about it. You know what? We can't just receive any baptism that's out there. Someone's been saved and they say, oh, I've been baptized, but they were baptized in a Southern Baptist church. Listen, we don't believe the same as they do. The doctrine of the Word of God is clear. We're going to hold to it. And I would simply say to you, okay, you know what? Um, Let's do some Bible studies. Let's lay aside the things that we think we know. Let's just open up the Word of God. Let's let it tell us what we're supposed to believe and not read into it or put into it what we think we're supposed to believe people say no i'm good we never see him again so be it i'm sorry but so be it the word of god tells us you know what we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word that says you know what i may not know everything and you know what i don't know everything but god does And it's given in His Word, and I simply need to study it and rightly divide the Word of truth, and it will tell me what I'm supposed to believe. I love it when Paul says that the Bereans were more noble than those of Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures, whether these things be so. What things? The things that the preacher said. They heard the preacher say something, and then they went to the Scriptures and searched it out, whether these things be so. How many churches and how many people believe certain things simply because that's what they've heard over and over and over and over again? Why do you believe that? Well, that's what my church believes. That's what, I've, that's what, I've, that's what I heard. It's good for all of us to come to a point in our Christian life where we're challenged with the things that we think we believe. Let's go to the Word of God and find out if that is so. Amen? We should regularly be doing that. And when the Word of God speaks more clearly or the Spirit of God gives us the way of God more perfectly, then a meek spirit says, I'm going to transition. I'm going to shift to that because I understand it more clearly from the Word of God. I love the examples like Apollos, for example. He was a preacher, right? But Aquila and Priscilla had been discipled by the Apostle Paul. And here's Apollos who's preaching. And Aquila and Priscilla are, Priscilla are husband and wife team, and they, they hear this guy preaching. And the Bible says that they sort of took him under their wing and they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. 
Do you see Apollos saying, oh, no, 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 I know, I know what I believe. I, it's, it's okay, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. No, you don't see that. You see the preacher being instructed in the Word of God more perfectly. Amen? And then you see him go on serving the Lord. What a meek spirit. What a meek spirit. That's amazing. That's a blessing. Meekness is a readiness to be shown. Where we lay aside the what-ifs or the what-abouts or my certainties about what I think. Meekness says, all right, show me from the Word of God. Because I want to be reflecting Jesus Christ accurately. <coughs> I want to be pleasing to the Lord. Psalm 119.66 says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. Do you know it's a serious thing to question the authority of God's word in our life? Do you remember Miriam and Aaron questioning Moses and Moses' authority? You know what? They weren't questioning him per se. They were questioning God because God had already given his word on the matter. He made his feelings about that whole thing very clear when they were judged. Their actions or a reflection of their heart. The opposite of meekness is pride, being stiff-necked. Meekness is, in essence, humbly yielding oneself to God and His Word. It's equally serious to ignore the Word of God concerning our life. You know what? We're living in a world of do-your-own-thing. A lot of times, Christians like to operate that way. Do your own thing. Well, we're all part of the body of Christ, right? We can go anywhere we want. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Do you know that do your own thing attitude can influence God's people if we're not careful? And it can bring with it serious consequences later on. The point is, we need to receive with meekness the engrafted word. And then James says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You get up in the morning, everything's all disheveled. Your hair's a mess. You look in the mirror and you're like, whoa! Eh. And you walk, go about your day, and you forget what you look like. That's what the Word of God does to us sometimes. We, the Word of God exposes us for what we are, and it's like, whoa! But then we ignore it and forget what manner of man we were. That's a serious thing with God. It'll always bring destructive consequences. And then Paul or James says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, 
he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So the Word of God exposes something about me. The Word of God reveals something about me. I see it, and I want to continue in that. I receive it meekly. Amen? And then he says, you're a doer of the work. That man is going to be blessed in his deeds. You adhere to the Word of God. Let it effectually work in you. It's going to bless your life. Meekness is a spiritual quality, a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is learned. It's not something that's inherited. It's something that the Spirit of God produces. Because of our sin nature, it's not always easy to be meek. Amen? God said of Moses that he was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. But even Moses lost his temper, or had his emotions out of control when he was provoked. But on the other hand, Moses also submitted himself to God and let God deal with the matters. What I'm saying is, we can have a meekness about us or to us because of the Spirit of God. The fruit of meekness is because of the root of the Spirit. Amen? The more control that he has, the more humility of heart will be displayed in our lives towards others and toward the Word of God. Let's ask the Lord to help us to yield to the Spirit of God more and more. Amen? And more of him be developed and produced in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for truth that we find in your Word. And Lord, I pray that you'd even cause us to examine our own lives tonight. We can easily demonstrate pride, prideful responses, prideful attitudes when it comes to other people. And we certainly can when it comes to the Word of God as well. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to admit that I have been wrong in this. And that's a prideful response. But Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to yield to the Spirit of God, that you produce this Christ-likeness in us. And may it be displayed in our relationships and dealing with other people. May it be displayed in our submission to the Word of God. Bless your people. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here tonight. I pray that we just chew on these principles and these truths. Lord, may the Word of God effectually work in those that believe. In Jesus' name, amen.